You're listening to the award-winning podcast, The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, featuring business leaders to help you navigate a constantly changing marketplace. Want to become known as a trusted authority while building a thriving business you love? The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show will show you how. Here's your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show brought to you by the Influence Alliance, the business building community for coaches and consultants who want to make a much bigger impact in the world while build a profitable and scalable business. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, my guest today says there is no innovation without experimentation and collaboration. So joining me on today's show is Janet Cernak. Janet, she is the founder of Imagination, a global innovation consulting and learning company that helps organizations, leaders, teams, and coaches adapt innovate and grow through disruption. She is an ICF PCC executive coach, an award-winning global blogger on the people side of innovation and presenter of the ICF CCE coach for innovators certification program. Now on today's show, Janet is going to share we're going to be inspired by her multiple and constant career and reinventions and learn from that. We're also going to see that the pandemic is an opening for creativity, invention and innovation, as well as how to survive and thrive with disruption. So welcome to the show, Janet. Hi, Anne-Marie. Thank you so much for inviting me. Delighted to be here. Welcome. So, so welcome. I know we're going to dive deep and the insights that you're going to share incredibly valuable as well as invaluable for the many different challenges and complexities that businesses are faced with today around the world. What is it about innovation that you love? Because your entire career has really focused on this particular area. What is it about it that really stands out for you? Oh, thank you. What a great question to start with. Well, firstly, um, growing up in the fashion industry here in Australia, it was always about change. You know, it was change of season, um, change of look, so change of focus, um, change of colour, fabric. So I grew up with change and I and I really love change. And, of course, um, it was a very creative industry. And I guess I've always loved to be creative. I have uh, actually trained as a graphic designer in one of my very many reinventions. And also, um, as I've evolved and my career has evolved, is that I've realised if you truly want to make a difference and a change in the world, then innovation is the lever. Mm. And how would you define innovation? That's another really good question. We're very non-prescriptive and we just start with uh, the sentence is that it's change that adds value, which means that the focus is on value and then you have to ask yourself the question, what does value mean to the customer, to the end user or to the client or to people in general? So, It actually uh, creates an opening for what we call a creative conversation to define innovation in your own unique context because most people don't understand what it means so that you've got to like deep dive and make it 
um, meaningful and we say make sense of it yes. uh, in your own context. Yeah. Yes. I love how you've described that and you've you've ended by saying in your own context because whilst we may see other organisations, whether they be smaller organisations, you know, through to medium or even larger organisations, it's to their context and to their, the context of what's happening for, for them. But we can certainly take elements of that. What do you see is the greatest barrier for any organisation to actually embrace and being more innovative? Are there some commonalities that you see? Um, another really good question. Yes, the first thing is um, to be strategic. I think what I've learned as I've been unpacking innovation and making sense of it over the last 10 years or so as a, a focus for my business is that you need to be strategic. So, you know, why innovate? and what result are you expecting to get mm -hmm. in terms of um, whether it's business growth, whether it's uh, efficiency, um, whether it is to actually create new products and services. So being strategic and knowing why, I think um, most organisations just see it as a faddish thing, you know, to get a short-term result. The other way of being strategic is to consider about um, whether you want to, you know, whether it's appropriate to look at innovation um, from an incremental perspective, from a uh, from a breakthrough perspective, or just from a product portfolio perspective. And then the other thing is, is that it's systemic, so you can actually innovate across every area of your business, whether it's a process, a set of behaviours, or you know, a set of activities. Mm -hmm. So um, people, especially at the moment, are looking very much at the short term, whereas certainly what I've done in the last um, two years of being locked down, and I know, Anne-Marie, you can, you can empathise with that, is to really look at the opportunity um, for delivering a valuable and sustainable result down the track in the future. So if you're going to innovate, the biggest barrier is, is to be in it for the long term. Yes. Um, to really look at how customers are changing, how the market has shifted and to be very intentional mm -hmm. and very focused, you know, on what value or what difference um, you want to create for users. Yes. yes. So, you know, lot, lots of barriers. I think... The other thing that's really important to mention is the resistance to change. And here in Australia, you know, we we're investing billions in 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 submarines, but not in aircraft to put out bushfires. You know, it's like, hello. So there's a lot of inertia and, and complacency in this market, thinking this too shall pass. And uh, I think it won't. So yeah, you know, innovation so is the link to this show is. to the powers that be. I am so with you. I'm so with you. But it sounds as if organisations, again, no matter what size you're at, so take what we're sharing today and what Janet is sharing today and apply it for where you're at in, in the stage of growth, I would imagine, in your business. But it looks as if organisations need to keep a finger on the pulse always to see are there different ways that we can be doing things to ensure that the customer experience and what we're doing. And when we talk about customers and stakeholders and share 
shareholders. This is even for our team as well. I mean, we can put an incredible barrier with our team if the technologies that we're giving them are not working properly or appropriate for the yeah. job that they're doing. So it looks that there has to be a balance between immediacy and more of a long-term aspect. And we have to incorporate that in the way that we just do business. It has to, isn't it? Spot on, Anne-Marie. We just did a webinar yesterday, which is how do you manage the present and the future mm-hmm. simultaneously? And we talk about three horizons like business today to cash flow and sustain um, sustain funding, you know, the future, and then incremental changes to actually break through in radical ways in the future. So we talk about that being paradoxical and a lot of the work that we do, especially in coaching, is teaching people how to be present to what is without judging or making it wrong or right and with what could be. So being in that space of possibility and I think that Um, despite being locked down, you know, I still live in beautiful Bayside, Melbourne. I went down to the beach this morning. I can still buy great food and go for walks in nature with my two little dogs. You know, so it's, it's a time to incubate, you know, and to deep dive into what could be possible, you know, be, be grateful um, in a lot of ways and appreciative for what we have, but to really deep dive into how it could be a better place or a better world, even if you're a, a company of one, it, yeah. it doesn't matter. It's a real pause button opportunity. Yes, I've realised in this period of time, I'm, I've always said I'm an extroverted introvert, but I did not realise how much of an introvert I was. The thing is, though, with introverts and, and visionaries, and I'd love to, to hear your perspective on this, when we have moments or opportunities to really just sit in our creativity, the creative juices just go wild, don't they? And it's a matter of, well, where um, where are we best placed to be able to adapt and adopt right now and what things are uh, more for a longer-term vision? And, and that kind of leads me to a question then. And I know that often with, with when it comes to innovation, We want to have people on our team, and we may be that person, um, who are visionaries, who can spot trends and who can share that in a way that inspires and empowers others to get behind that. Do you think that vision and the type of vision that I'm sure you are because, you know, you're in the role, can that be taught or is it something that you see as more nurtured? I'm so glad you asked it because a lot of what we're teaching is in many ways really obvious in that where, you know, we have a slogan is to hit your pause button, retreat and reflect and then reboot and reset. So what the COVID um, disruption has created for us is like a big stop sign to start thinking differently. So that's the first step is just to stop doing stuff, you know, like I'm I'm working with some of the um, global coaching platforms and the hardest thing with with some of the new clients is just getting them to stop doing stuff. Just stop. Just stop and think about what are you doing, you know, and, and am I actually really doing the right thing to get the result that I want? Or stop and ask yourself what is the result I want and what is it then that I need to do? So, again, it's... Um, paradoxical. And I come from the school 
of learning that says um, possible in the world, possible for me, it's only a matter of how. So you can learn to be a visionary. And you've just raised a really good point is that passionate purpose is to be passionately purposeful about something and be determined to achieve it is the grit, yes. you know, according to Angela Duckworth, that we we need to thrive in the 21st century. And we're doing a lot of programs now on helping leaders and teams cultivate that kind of grit, you know, and it's it's about character yeah. and intentionality and purposefulness and, and, you know, pursuing that kind of meaning, meaning in your work and in your life. So anybody can be a visionary if they'll just stop, you know, and think about what's really important to them and live their values and live their beliefs. It, it's not easy. Um, it's, a, it's a much tougher gig. And it is far more satisfying and fulfilling when, when you're willing to be courageous and compassionate and creative mm. and, and play in that space. I could not agree with you more. I mean, I often, and I have shared a number of occasions, so I won't reiterate um, that same story, but I'll, I'll uh, bullet point it, if you will, by saying, you know, my worst business failure ever, and I've had many, you know, but, you know, that fail forward is something that my whole life, and, you know, as visionaries, as people who will embrace um, change, and for me, who wants to do the same old, same old anyway, you know, so when people are talking about, I want to go back to normal, I'm going, nah, normal was boring, let's reinvent and, and reinvigorate, but, you know, my worst business failure ever was the best thing that ever happened to me, because it was the kick in the backside that I really needed to go, well, look, moving forward, you've got two choices. It'll either make you or break you. And for me, breaking me is not an option. So what can I learn? What can I change? What can I do better? And I've realised that, you know, for me, focus and not going off on all the bright, shiny objects, which we, we can tend to do as entrepreneurs, and that has been a huge um, wake-up call, if you will, for me and many businesses, I think, as they're looking and pausing and stopping and really refining what they're doing, for some have got incredible success stories. And what started off as a mere pivot has become a huge revenue stream for their business because they were willing to to go through the steps, if you will, to say, how is this going to, to pan out? So you think willingness to see what, what is possible, you know, I think is that that often that risk factor is something yes. that people are not really willing to go for, but sometimes can be the best thing ever. Well, how do we balance that? Is there such a term as balanced risk, you know what I mean? Having some form of container, if you will, so that we don't kind of come crashing to a heap. Look, it's such a great point and thank you for bringing it up. So before I um, built a med, well, before I started Compass Learning and Imagination, I worked for a company called Corporate Vision and they were Australia's first um, culture change consultancy and we did a lot of transformational leadership programs and one of the programs was around achievement and accountability and what a high achiever does is learns how to moderate the risk with the level of um, challenge, you know, and obviously the the, the um, propensity for failure. So it's really interesting is that we are now designing learning and coaching programs to help people strategize to fail forward or mm -hmm. fail fast. 
So a lot of it is understanding um, why people avoid risk, why people avoid failing, um, and really where we've gotten to, it's about cultivating what we would call a gamer or an experimental mindset mm. where you can actually balance the risks with the rewards. So that's what high achievers do. So we can model that and we can teach it and, and, and we do yeah. so. But here, it, to take risks, um, you actually need to be brave and bold and they're kind of old-fashioned words in a way. And when we were living in the Middle East um, for six years, I really learned what it meant to be courageous and to um, take the risks and to have, like you, the monumental and spectacular failures and to um, develop more than resilience, we call it mental toughness mm. and emotional agility to, to learn from it and to reboot. So, yeah, it is teachable and it is fundamental to um, entrepreneurship. Yes. And it's fundamental to high achievement, but you've got to work out what the balance is and then you've got to prepare yourself cognitively, um, emotionally and viscerally to, to face the consequences. Mm -hmm. So we talk about um, risk anticipation, we talk about risk mitigation and um, even now working with teams to develop a new language around risk. Mm. But we are here in Australia a very risk-adverse culture. Yes. Yep. Yes, we, we certainly are. And hopefully, um, you know, what's happened now and, and continues to happen. I mean, some of the businesses that are just about to reopen and then it closes again, I mean, that must just be heartbreaking for, for them. But it really has shown us, I mean, when we when you were teaching um, your clients and sharing the message, you know, a number of years ago, expect the unexpected. I do not yes. think that anyone would have gone to such an extreme of what we are now um, or have experienced, that's for sure. So our awareness of, well, these things we need to balance, I think a lot of businesses now have realised that if they haven't embraced the online space, it is so important to have an aspect of being able to have, you know, deliverables. And I know a lot of our um, audience, Janet, are service-based businesses. So they really are primed to be able to embrace the online space and have been for years, actually. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that you are in the in the smaller group, I know I was, that for many years businesses would say to me, my colleagues, would say, what are you online for? What are you doing all of this social media? Why are you podcasting? And, you know, would often look at me as if I was quite strange. And to me it was, well, I don't want to say... I told you so, you know, that kind of thing. But seriously, we have to be mindful of what's happening and where consumers are going for, for attention, you know, and every single business has an opportunity now to be their own media. I mean, we all carry our own technology in our back pocket, so we have no barrier to being able to get our message, connect directly with our customers, you know, consumers, stakeholders, shareholders. And I, I think a lot of businesses were kicking and screaming. In fact, one thing that I want to share, and then I want to open it up to where are some opportunities that you see that you know, businesses can embrace. But I heard, and I can't remember who said this, so I can't validate this with a name, but they were saying that the rate of change that has happened in the last kind of two years is probably what would have been seen if things had continued on before all this happened. 
over a six-year period. That's how yes. fast it's accelerated. Would you, are you seeing that too? Yeah, we're living, um, Otto Sharma says, so like the, the meta frame is that we're living in a decade of transformation mm. and we're also living in a decade of disruption. Yes. So uncertainty, if anything is the new normal, it's uncertainty. Yes. So um, the hybrid workplace, you know, people, I went online um, probably 10 years ago when I was living in the Middle East because I had no choice. It was the only way I could get work. So yes. innovation comes from necessity and so there's a lot of necessity at the moment but also from possibility. So if you collide those um, internal filters or meta programs, then you can come up with a heap of opportunities to play in the global um, workplace. And I'll give you an example. Um, I had an email two days ago from somebody who is really an amazing specialist in innovation and gamification in Spain. And he said, oh, we want to partner with you because we, um, you have this really big following in Spain for your blogs and your webinars. And, you know, it would be really great if you could represent our online learning um, gamified programs and then maybe we could co-create and do this. And I had no idea that I had a following in Spain. Yeah. But what I've been doing like you is every month <laughs> I write a blog, um, every two months now we do a webinar, everything's free, we've got a big community um, we've got a lot of social media or a lot of internet marketing presence um, on the one hand. On the other hand, um, I'm a woman with 33 years of entrepreneurship this month since I left my corporate career. So I'm wiser, but I'm also older. Mm. So being online gives me the chance to really um, share my knowledge, wisdom and experience with yes people who want to take it up rather than trying to break into the boys network here in Australia, which is really tough for women and especially for older women. Yes. Yeah. You know, one of the things that um, you said, and I want to just touch on this because seeing the pandemic as an opening for creativity, invention and innovation, I'm sure when we said that, I said that in the introduction, people might have thought, what on earth is she talking about? And that is the mindset that we have around that. So we can either see it as a necessity and being dragged there, or if we change our mindset to think, well, what possibilities yep. can I learn? And that comes from us, isn't it? So we can either go and screaming, and if we do it kicking and screaming, we often limit our ability to look at and continue a thought process. What is that thought? Can we, can we amplify it even more? Can we put a twist on that? If depending on how you approach that, is going to end up where that allows you to travel or go with that thought. Would you say that's a fair comment? I agree a hundred percent. So what? Um, we start off with, with saying to people, get out of the office and the first step is to get out of your head. Yes. <laughs> get out of your habitual way of thinking and get out of what, you know, your habitual mental models and your mindsets and actually let them go because they're not relevant for the 21st century. Mm. The 21st century requires a whole different 
way of being, thinking and acting, a whole different way of leading and teaming, a whole different way of, of building a culture, whether it's individually or collectively. So that's like get out of your head, get into your heart, find out what's important. And we are so privileged to be living with such exponential technology that you can find out anything on the internet. You know, like I I was at a, and giving you another example, I was at a session yesterday where the question was asked, um, how was 2021 for you? Mm. And people went into all of the negatives and I was the only one in the group that just said, well, it was awesome. I could um, really appreciate the environment that I live in and the nature and the sea and my husband and my beautiful home and I could so, and I could stop and actually pivot my business globally online. And I've got a whole new strategy for scaling and leveraging it that two years ago I never would have thought possible. Well, you so and I you- connected because I was looking on LinkedIn and I found you and I thought, wow, what an incredible background. And I love innovation, as I said. I love challenging the status quo, tradition. Ugh, I yeah. don't even like that word. Who wants traditions, you know, because it can lead to better things. And so it it, it really is. Um, we are a globally connected community now and we've proven that what happens in one part of this globe can impact an entire planet. And I love the yes. way that you you know, there's information at our fingertips. So be mindful about the community in which you are, are um, you know, hanging out. And I share that if I look back to the career industry, which is where I came from, when we, uh, when I first got my certification and then they kind of went, well, congratulations, you can go make a business. And it was like, well, what am I going to do? I went out and I sought mentors in the US because I had seen and, and even experienced phone coaching but back then the industry that I was in said you can't phone coach you can't use email back then Skype and all of those tools weren't weren't created but I thought why not I'm still communicating with people so I actually had to go out and find mentors who understood and who are actually doing that and then it was podcasting what's a podcast it wasn't even talked about in those days so be mindful that the industry or the community or even the platforms you're going to for your information aren't jaded and shaded by their agendas or their thinking is not the visionary and we've got so much different tools and abilities to connect that's important isn't it to be mindful of that It's so important because if you are going to be a disruptor, like you and I obviously are, you know, where I'm I'm a serial change catalyst and disruptor, you have to find your tribe because it can be really lonely. Mm -hmm. So when we were living in the Middle East, I found that people already in the innovation space, so this is around 2012, were so generous and so collaborative Um, in sharing what, and we were just pioneering. You know, when I started talking about the people side of innovation at global conferences, the European process consultants would go, oh, no, just get rid of the people. It's all about technology. And I knew from my change management career that technology is driven by people and it's people who innovate. You know, yes. so technology is just the enabler. Yeah. So mm. you finding your tribe is really important. And there is now, you know, the globally, the connections that you can make are extraordinary. 
and finding your tribe really supports you to be the change you want to be in the world and to also engage and enrol and enable others others to do that. So um, I love the online world. I spend far too much time online. <laughs> but you can learn so much. You know, one of the one of the absolute gifts, and I call it a gift because, you know, I'm honoured to be able to, well, I was going to say we can't go cheek to cheek of, but face-to-face virtually, if you will, tap into the knowledge and experience such as what you bring to the table and I get to do that every day that I have an interview and I learn so much it's it's on steroids and um, you know that's the benefit of being able to tap in um, to to you know individuals and experts such as yourself one question that I would love to ask and there's a reason I'm asking this of you because so often as individuals we negate the experiences that we've had because they haven't been in a previous industry that we're now working in or we think well that was from ages ago, you know, doesn't doesn't relate, doesn't matter, doesn't count. But in actual fact, some of the things, you know, the things we can learn from hindsight in history that provides the insight, which will give us the foresight for how we need to move forward. Have you seen that we often neglect that? And and I guess you can share your story because you bring such a diversity and wealth that I'm sure that you are often looking back to and thinking, how can I allow this to move me forward? So there's a couple of things within that, but I would love for you to unpack that if you could. Okay. Well, I think, um, you know, I, I come from a perspective that everything is a learning opportunity, even if it's painful. And I'm also a history buff and a culture buff. So my hobby is history whether it's ancient or modern history or or different cultures. So I've gone through Japanese periods, Chinese and Indian um, most recently. (laughs) So if we don't learn from the lessons of the past, we're doomed to repeat them. Yes. So, you know, it's like I had a, you know, in my younger years, I am going um, into a personal (laughs) example again. You know, I had a lot of boyfriends who were really narcissistic so I had to go through a lot of emotional pain to let go of that pattern. But ultimately I did and I learned and I have the most wonderful partner in the world now who is absolutely not a narcissist. You know, he supports me in, in my business and he's um, wonderful, wonderfully generous um, and accepting of me. So, you know, having this learn, have, having the ability to unlearn and that's probably, you know, my exact, I unlearned that set of behaviours. Yes. And I've I've learned a new set of behaviours that support me to be empowered and effective in the world. So um, being a learnaholic is really important and I think, you know, if this decade of, it, of anything is just go out and learn and I'm so in agreement with you, you know, I when I got into the innovation space, I did a multitude of, I did every webinar I could. I did everything books. is interesting, isn't it? I did, I I was I did MOOCs with the university. I did a, a MOOC, for example, in critical thinking free on diversity from a professor in Romania who was amazing. Yeah. So, you know, I learned through doing online learning, I learned how to design online learning programs. So, yeah. you know, learning. There, I'm, there is such a richness of uh, yeah. information. And you know what I love about uh, the online learning, particularly being able to download resources, you can put people on double speed. 
<laughs> you can't do that in real life. And I love, you know, give it to me quick and just, you know, these so I can really think about um, things and how I can adapt and adopt them. But it is true, isn't it? And, and you know, often, and this is what I would do too, and this is a great way to kind of fire up, if you will, the, the creative, the, the thinking is go outside your industry. What are they doing and what can you adopt and adapt? You know, um, that's so important. So often we look within our own industry and a lot of times our own industry is blinded by, um, you know, the things that we talked about today, their understandings or in some instances misunderstandings. So we've got Simon here, Hodgins, who says unlearning is as important as learning, 100%. Yeah, absolutely, Simon. Thanks for, for uh, sharing that commenting comment there. And he said two times is a <laughs> blessing. <laughs> absolutely. Sometimes we've got to learn the, un, and unlearn a lot of times, you know, but I think that once that learning is there, it's something that you can often pass on to others. I think the, yes. the biggest challenge is that I've overcome and the way that I will approach something like if there's an obstacle can I go can I go under it around it over it you know or do I just have to blow that thing up often the strategies the methodologies that come out of it are teachable moments and steps aren't they for others you've gone more so that others don't have to but then there's some of us who just we need to kind of go through the experience anyway, but we can do it a lot quicker by learning and bringing insights that others have shared, I find. Oh, absolutely. And like you um, said, I used to stand up in training programs and say, expect the unexpected. I used to stand up and say the learning zone is outside of the comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was until I created imagination as an Israeli startup that I really viscerally got what that meant you know, like head, heart and gut. So we now say, you know, there's the comfort zone, there's the learning zone and there's the growth zone. So we now, you know, in in this decade, this is a huge growth zone individually, collectively, you know, and globally. It is, and and you've got to be brave, you've got to be um, courageous, you've got to be creative and you've got to be compassionate. Mm. So... That growth zone, um, we talk a lot about being um, evocative, provocative, creative, disruptive. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to disrupt um, your old habits. You've got to provocate um, far more challenging conversations. You've got to evoke people to um, step into their growth zones you know so it's a whole pulling strategy and people don't realize that innovation involves change on steroids you know so it's it's a growth zone opportunity and it's it is um on the one hand terrifying (laughs) but on the other hand it it is incredibly fulfilling and satisfying And, and then you can add add value to the quality of people's lives in in ways they appreciate and cherish and that's ultimately what the benefit is from being in the innovation growth zone yeah, I just love everything that you're you're saying, and um, I know that we've only just really scratched the surface. But it almost it has to be uh, almost um, a mindset and a behaviour, you know, because and the behaviour I mean taking action it really does. Yeah. And you know, having said that too, I mean there are going to be some people that 
um, as you said, are very adversant to, to change, but they're more the ones that will roll out, that w- the, the follow through people. So as, you know, individuals running businesses, we need to be mindful that if we had a whole team of innovators, we'd be innovating and then, you know, the, the work, the implementation things is, is important there too, but we need to find that that balance. And one of the things, and this is going to lead me to you sharing how people can get in contact with you. I mean, one of the things that you said, that it really requires collaboration. You shared an incredible uh, story of a conversation that someone reached out from Spain. They have got expertise in the area of gamification. Now you're looking at doing some form of collaboration. Another thing that I have found too, that to sit in this space does require boldness and courage. And I have even had some of my team over the years, I would just say to them, come up to me, point a finger at me and just go, just do it, Anne-Marie. And they'll do it. And I'll go, okay, I am. And that was just because I'm an introvert, ringing someone on a phone. I mean, you know, the things that we do. But what I'm saying is we need to surround ourselves with people who will lift us up, people such as yourself, yes. who will kind of give us that gentle shake because if we again surround ourselves with yes people and not the people who will agitate in the most nicest of ways, we're still going to be where we are today, you know, where we could be far more advanced in the future. So how can people find out more about the work that you do, tap into these incredible webinars that uh, you talked about, all of that? Okay. Well, there's two websites. There's uh, Imagination, so that's spelled I-M-A-G-I-N-E-N-A-T-I-O-N, imagination.com.au is one website and then I have a personal website which is just simply janetcernak.com.au. You can sign up for our newsletter, our monthly newsletter and award-winning blog, uh, which comes out uh, usually in the first two weeks of the month. We do webinars. Uh, the next webinar will be, I think, in November. And you connect with me on LinkedIn, certainly, and... There's a Coach for Innovators Facebook page. There's an Imagination Facebook page and there's an Imagination LinkedIn page as well. So everything uh, that Anne-Marie said is about connection uh, and connection, I think, is probably one of the most important first steps to take to be um, to flourish and, and thrive certainly in the 21st century so when you connect, then you can then explore. And when you can explore, you can then discover. When you discover, you can then design. And then you can do what Anne-Marie says, is deliver something by taking intelligent actions. Mm. Uh, so uh, I please email me. I have a Coach for Innovators certified program starting in October. It's eight weeks, um, two-hour two hours of webinars a week and we're very generous and we share all of our IP to help you um, reinvent or improve your business uh, or learn to become a certified coach for innovators. Um, It's very much a deep and immersive and intimate learning experience and um, just, you know, have a conversation. There's a collective, there's a global collective of us Join us. And what I love about um, this 
uh, platform, if you will, that we're live streaming and this will also go on our audio version of our podcast is that we get to also incorporate other people's comments. And of course, Simon is here. And if you show up and you sh- you get to, to be part of the conversation, he's a comfort learning growth zones, change on steroids. And yes, the last uh, year has certainly forced changes. Hopefully this helps people to experience new ways of doing things. And, and Simon, yes, uh, Janet and I certainly agree. And hopefully uh, people who are hearing and tapping into the conversation, Janet, know and realise that, look, there is support out there with Janet's team and and global uh, connections and and network that you're building. Uh, We don't have to do it on our own. And as you said earlier, it is important to surround yourself with like-minded people because, and this is what I shared in one of the interviews I said today, an idea that you have or that someone in your community has needs to be nurtured in the right way because may just be the solution the world needs in a decade or a couple of years. And if that's not nurtured, there goes this incredible opportunity that could have been the solution and the answer for the the world. It needs to be nurtured. Yeah, and Anne-Marie, it is about persistence. Like people told me 10 years ago when I launched, you know, a startup in Israel as an older um, woman who was not local, you're not from here, how can you do this? And no one would give me any money um, because I didn't have any guarantors. Is persistence, you know, is is if really believe in yourself, it it does come down to a few basics is, you know, be persistent, Mm. be determined, be prepared to confront adversity. You know, so we've gone slower because we bootstrapped yeah. You know, as a as a startup, slow and steady, slow and steady, isn't it? I always say that. Look, I'm in I'm in this for the long game. Yeah, I'm stubborn. Bit. I'm stubborn. I do not take no for an answer. I'll yeah. just take time and getting to the yes. But I tell you what, start to enjoy the journey though, because there's so many golden nuggets in the yeah. journey as well. I think. Yeah, um, and and go out on to you know go to the edge. Yeah, you know this is an edgy this is an edgy era. You know, there's yeah. so many poss- possibilities and opportunities to do that. And be be future focused, go out and find out, do some research, be adaptive, um, yeah. be willing to engage and collaborate, be willing to, to innovate and, you know, be digitally savvy. You know, 10 years ago I wasn't even on Facebook, you know, and now we're looking at how are we going to gamify our our learning programs you know in and to globalize them so it's not that hard it's just one step at yep, a time one step. Yeah. One step. you don't have to do the whole thing at the one time the steps and uh, I'm, I'm the same you know don't don't follow trends drive trends be the trend yeah. and it can be smallest of things you know even a one percent difference can be the difference needed in your industry i think the breath of fresh air and uh, there's so many opportunities. I mean, there has been a global reset, isn't it? Many large oh, organisations yes. that were leading industries are now having to reinvent. Some of them won't be able to, but for the smaller organisations who are far more agile, they, they may not realise yes. the smallness of your organisation is actually a benefit because you can move quicker, isn't it, or often if you have the right I'm so glad you mentioned agility. I think that's another really misunderstood term. It's it's speed and agility um, in bite-sized chunks that are really 
purposeful. It's quite interesting. Some of the work we've been doing is teaching agile teams how to actually innovate because really? there's a disconnect between the agile movement and innovation. They probably won't agree with me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, being being agile and nimble and fast. So, therefore, you need to be open-minded, open-hearted and open-willed and not controlling and be compassionate and be creative and playful. You know, bring wonder and play and awe and uh, all of the novelty. You know, there's so much. Look what's happening to retail. Yes. You know, I, I said to my husband on the weekend, I'm going shopping, you know, so I went online for half an hour and, and picked up a few things that I was really desperate for, you know. It's dangerous, though, this online shopping. At a push of a button, <laughs> ding, 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 isn't it? So we it's were telling lovely. retailers, you know, my fashion industry days when I, I was fashion director at Grace Brothers Department Stores, we were telling retailers in the 90s that this was coming. Yeah. And they were in denial. We were, I was doing breakfast for the, the Retailers Association yeah. when I I've first started re- my – yeah, and then we were no, saying I, this is coming. You know, oh, no, no, no people will always – no, I was set at the TV. It's dangerous, and I'll be on my phone. I'll be scrolling through Facebook. Oh, there's a jumper, and before, dun, 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 dun. but I've luckily I've been able to get a pause, and I'll just go. Do I really need that, Anne Marie? But it is true that whole behaviour, and it is so convenient. And here, even some some um, retailers are now having what they call a personal shopper's experience, if you will, where a, a personal shopper will be online with someone and will actually hold up clothes try them on with the sizes and so forth and I mean if we don't have to go and find parking and all of those things I mean to me that that's amazing because then you can carry on with your day can't you um so yeah but consumer behavior has changed as have employees behavior exchange I mean I was just talking to someone in the U.S. today Janet who was saying that a lot of organizations particularly in the U.S. too are are finding it hard to find staff because staff now realize well why do I need to come into the office I can work quite conveniently from home and by the way I want more of a flexible oh no well then I'll actually start my own company you know my own business I've always wanted to do that a lot of people now are looking more seriously around that whole purpose-driven, you know, what is it going to fulfil me? I think as organisations we need to be very mindful about that too because our consumers are basing their purchase decision around core values of of organisations as well. So we need to be very mindful about how we move forward because with the beautiful technology we have on our fingertips too, the communication uh, and what we're doing, we need to be mindful that we're always authentic and, and very much integral, yep. trustworthy, because that yep. that shift can happen overnight if all of a sudden your audience online gets even a, you know, a whiff of, hang on a minute, is there authenticity? Is there mistrust there? And I think trust moving forward with all of the mistrust uh, across some of the platforms is going to be a decider for many businesses and I'm talking even for government and those institutions as well. So, Yes, you've hit the nail on the head is there is an incredible amount of mistrust at the moment, especially um, as a result of the lockdowns and and the um, policies 
that are being and that's great for leadership for because all of us as individuals in our business we are leaders and the way we lead and gain respect is everything that you've shared about be having that compassion um and we're you know, inspiring people, um, creating environments which allow them to be their best, doing the opposite, yes. it just won't work anymore. It won't work because we can see through the BS. I'm just saying, I mean, that's going off on another tangent, but, t- you know, it's so important is, is even leadership. We need to blow up the old um, outdated methodologies of, of what leadership is and how we lead teams. Yes, I'd be happy to have a conversation with you about that another time because that, you know, I've worked in in leadership now for probably 40 years. I know I don't look that old. And I think that it's only in the last few years when there's been so much global disruption that I've, I've really understood, you know, using your words, what it means to be a trusted and authentic leader. Yes. And how important that is. And, you know, and as a uh, coach, a leadership um, innovation and executive and team coach, really it, it is a big journey. And if anything, the leadership paradigm, um, the last time it shifted was in the 90s. Yes. And it's shifting again to a whole mm-hmm. new set of competencies, a whole new set of capabilities and a whole new set of mindsets and behaviours and that's what we're teaching at Imagination. And to to say that, so thinking that essentially I'm a designer, you know, from graphic to fashion Mm. to to learning, it has taken me a long time to, to create what we would call a really coherent leadership curriculum and I think we've only just really gotten there you yeah. know, in the last few months and COVID gave us the, the space to, to which is all those post-its on my board at the back, yeah. um, COVID gave us the space to make it really coherent and teachable because yeah. it's new language, it's new ways it of thinking, it new ways of being. Across all yeah. institutions from solopreneur right through to yeah. large organisations. We will get you back and we'll dive deep into that because we need to rewrite the books, We, you know. Well, we, we do. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and and people such as yourself, because the way moving forward, because of such the great word reset, I guess, comes, that may not be the, the, the best way to approach it, but things have changed so dramatically. If all of a sudden things start going back to some form, it'll be different. But And then we go, well, now we're going to embrace the way that we've always done things. No, you can't. You cannot continue because there are so many more things that are going to come to the the forefront that needs to be managed and that's not able to be managed at the moment because I think people and organizations governments and so forth are still reactive we're still reacting yes and um you know once that kind of goes there'll be a whole lot of other things that need to be addressed and not swept under the table because yeah there will be you know these things festering have the ability again to cause the inability to be productive and all of that kind of stuff. So let's dive deeper into that. I know that you've already shared how to get in contact with you. I know we've got a little bit longer, but it was such a valuable conversation as I knew it would be. Thank you for taking that time. I look forward to getting you back on the show again and we'll dive deep into what a new leadership, what that means, what a new model of leadership, the languaging, all of that uh, for moving forward. So thanks once again, Janet. And thank you for having me and everybody stay safe and well. 
and um, be playful and, and inventive and creative and dance at the edges of uh, those growth zones and have some fun. Absolutely. Fun is one of my core values. So I absolutely wholeheartedly agree. Thanks, Janet. This podcast is brought to you by theinfluencealliance.com. Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series. That's theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series.